Private Lender Podcast, Episode 77. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Arthur Schopenhauer, who said, Money is like seawater. The more we drink, the thirstier we become. And the same is true of fame. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. Linda Nation, how are you? Thank you for joining me today. This is episode number 77. And today, we're going to talk about insurance. Everyone's favorite subject. Probably one of the most boring things in the world to talk about is insurance. However, as a private lender, insurance policies keep those properties that we uh, invest in, that we put liens upon, it keeps them safe and keeps us safe and our borrowers safe. And they're a good thing. So we're going to dive right into it. But first, a little announcement. I decided today that I'd been toying with the idea of going on doing some Facebook Live stuff. And I it was really hard enough to get behind the microphone and put it out there. And video just really scares me. So I decided, you know what? Time to put up or shut up. And so I did it. I Facebook Live this recording of this episode. And I'm pretty much going to leave it un- unedited. Just let it fly. Let it go. And uh, yeah, so here we go. Episode 77, Property Insurance and the Concept of Indemnity. And we are live. Okay, well, this is a first for me. I am going to Facebook Live the recording of an episode, episode number 77 of the Private Lender Podcast. Hey, check out the swag. Check it out. Hold on. Yeah. T-shirts have come in. They're beautiful. It's beautiful. Anyway, my name is Keith Baker and welcome to episode number 77. Today, I'm going to talk to you about insurance, property insurance, and the concept of indemnity. But before we get into all of that fun stuff, I'd like to direct you over to theprivatelenderpodcast.com slash expo. This will be a link to take you to get tickets to the Quest Trust Company Self-Directed IRA Expo that's happening here in Houston. And you get a 25% discount with the promo code PL Podcast. So I don't get any money from the tickets, but I get pride uh, is basically what I get. And whether it's realistic or not, my goal is to drive as many people, more than any other sponsor at this event, uh, drive them to the expo because it's really a cool thing to do. So also on the August 22nd, the night before the expo, there's going to be a happy hour at the Royal Sinesta Bar. And uh, come on out. If you're going to be in Houston, you can meet the vendors, a lot of VIPs and other people from Quest. So look forward to seeing everybody come on out. So let's get into the heart and matter of today's episode. Let's talk about property insurance and the concept of indemnity. It is an insurance term that is uh, often misunderstood. And uh, (laughs) Michael Ham, you want a (laughs) t-shirt? Thank you. I appreciate that. That's awesome. I'll see see what I can do here. So back to the concept of indemnity, which I want to walk you through a couple of terms. This is one of them. And the word indemnity is um, to put you completely back in school. It's a Latin root, indemnus, meaning unhurt, undamaged, or without loss. 
And that is at the heart and soul of every insurance policy is if something bad happens, then that policy will pay you back to get you to the position that you were in right before the incident occurred. So to get back to where you were at the moment before the loss, that's the whole idea. So you're not supposed to profit from insurance, even though I think a lot of people do when it it comes to claims, especially that I've seen on property on houses and how if you you can do some of the work yourself, save some money, you can actually kind of make some money. But the whole principle, and I'm not going to comment on that, but the whole principle of the insurance is to put your property back to where it was right before whatever that incident was, that peril that occurred, whether it be a hurricane, tornado, fire, or whatever. But indemnity insurance is a contractual agreement or an insurance policy in which one party guarantees compensation for the actual or potential losses that are sustained by another party. So there you have the insurance company that promises the compensator to pay for the cost of the, the insured, the other party. Uh, and these policies indemnify or reimburse the assured against claims. And that is where the big hangup gets was with reimburse. Because the reimburse is to pay a sum of money that has been spent or lost. And so the moral of that story, the kernel to take away from it, from that is you must spend money in order to get the insurance money. And that is the principle behind insurance policies. But you'll say, wait, well, wait, Keith, well, uh, State Farm cut me a check to get started and told me how much I was going to get for uh, my whole claim, and I hadn't even spent a dime. And yes, that often happens with consumer insurance because they're afraid of bad faith, so they don't want to be seen as not handling claims properly. So they'll come in, and a lot of times they'll go ahead and put down what's called the actual cash value. So let's say, for example, you have a $100 widget that's five or 10 years old. Well, it's a replacement cost is $100 today. It may have only cost you 20, 10 years ago, but today it's, it's $100. The actual cash value would be that replacement cost minus any depreciation and loss of value. You can think of this with your car as a, as a really good example. So if, you, you know, have, if it costs $10,000 to go get a, a, a car that's comparable or to replace your car is ten grand, but it's 10 years old, then you know, insurance might give you 1000 bucks. That's actual cash value. Now, what they'll do is a lot of times they'll provide actual cash value up front to let you start the repairs, you know, get the new roof or to get the flood handled or whatever, knowing all along they're going to give you replacement costs, but they want to see that the insurance company wants to see that you've actually done the work. So they'll give you actual cash value to get started in some cases. And then as the, the repair work is completed, they will make up the difference from the actual cash value, what they've already given you to what the replacement cost actually is. So that's um, a kind of a, a caveat and a little noodle or a noodle, uh, a bend in the rules when it comes to consumer insurance, which is basically is what we as lenders demand, where it's a consumer product. And consumers, as you know, are usually treated better than businesses in this regard, or at least consumers, they get the benefit of the doubt of not knowing any different or better, whereas someone who's in business should have the wherewithal to make a better decision. So from that standpoint, the consumer is generally more protected by the Department of Insurance and the insurance laws of whatever your state is. So what does all of this mean? Well, it means that property insurance should be a mandatory condition of the loan. And the borrower must maintain property insurance for the life of the loan on the subject property. So this way, if you, if you, the property upon which you have a first lien is damaged somehow, and if any of you have gone through a claim, a homeowner's claim or flood claim, this is very similar, the uh, insurance company will send the check to the insured. Usually in this case, it's your borrower. 
and but they have to endorse it and send it to the mortgagee or the in this case the private lender for their signature endorsement and the lender can demand inspections to verify that the work has been performed and the damage has been repaired in an acceptable condition if you haven't had a significant property claim you may not be familiar with this and that's okay <laughs> that's, that's not a, that's not a bad thing not to be familiar with the claims process but as a lender i like to let people know what the indemnity and reimbursement process is up front and that there will be a draw and an inspection schedule that's going to you know coordinate with the amount of repairs that need to be um, enacted on the property to bring it back to either a rentable or sellable condition so to the lender mandatory non-negotiable you get title insurance you get property insurance and when i say property insurance i'm coming to you from the gulf coast of texas so that means property your typical what they would call a fire policy windstorm and flood and if the borrower doesn't want to do all that then you really want to put your money out on a property that's not protected but your duties as a lender once you enforce you know don't loan without a property policy you need to verify that your name as the lender is listed as a mortgagee and loss payee on the insurance policy this is a condition before they can even close on the loan and your money is released out of escrow or in, uh, or wired in demand that your borrowers provide the declaration page of every of the policy every time it renews usually in six or 12 months as a lender you also want to look at the scope of work or the insurance claim to see just how much has been damaged the adjuster will go through and calculate the damage as well as and so you get that from the insurance claim forms and there's usually a schedule or a list involved and you can also look at the scope of work from the contractor Usually there's going to be a general contractor that'll come through and oversee the job. Uh, in my case, with my claims, I was the general contractor. I got all my subs lined up. So it was a little bit different, but it was the same for me. Uh, at the time Wells Fargo held my mortgage, I got the check. They signed it. I had to sign it over to them. Uh, and then they sent an inspector out, saw how much work had been completed, and then they released the funds accordingly, accordingly based upon how much work had been re- completed you know, how much repair work had been completed, I should say. And that's the beauty. You can send inspectors to verify that these repairs have been completed and up to code. Uh, if it's a city code, for example, that needs to, you, know, you want to make sure that this is, the property is brought up in an appropriate condition, in a safe condition, because if anything were to happen and that borrower were to lose the property, just, you know, it can give you some headaches if they were to get into some legal disputes on the quality of workmanship or so on and so forth. You don't, want to, you don't want to put money on a property that's going to be tied up in a liability claim. But also, as, as a lender, you need to act and inspect quickly so as not to harm the borrower's condition anymore. They've already suffered, and they're probably going to you know, be taking a hit. They're not getting rent, or they're, they're further behind on the schedule. So as a lender, it's up to you. Once the borrower is ready for an inspection, have that inspection done you know, as quickly as possible. Uh, release those funds on the draw schedule so that the borrower can go back to work and can and continue repairing the property. And one of the interesting things that you may or may not know that I found out when I was getting my adjuster's license is that if a couple of things actually is if the borrower ever lets the insurance policy lapse, the insurance company is supposed to let the mortgagee know that the insurance policy is lapsing. And the only way you can have an insurance policy is if you have a economic interest or a financial interest in, in said property. And as the lender, you certainly do have an economic interest in the well-being of that property. 
So you can step in, get a policy on that property. You can, it can do a short term sometimes. You can do a month, six months, 12 months, check with your agent for guidance on that for your area and your state. But the lender can get the premium and then add that policy, that amount of the premium for the policy, add it to the loan until so they can get they can get right back up. But that's also a an indication of trouble for the borrower. So it's also not only is it something that you can remedy with a, a few hundred dollars for a, a month, give or take, like I said, check with your agent. I don't know numbers across the U.S., but it is a it's a solution to a problem. And it's also it can also be the canary in the coal mine, so to speak. But the really neat thing about being a lender is, let's say, God forbid, your borrower gets into a really, really tight and shady situation and thinks it's a good idea to, to burn down the house and just collect on the insurance money. That way he pays the lender, you know, no harm, no foul, everything's cool, and it gets him out of a jam. Well, the fire department does the their job and they say, no, this is definitely arson. And now your borrower is a suspect, to say the least, and can be prosecuted if believed to have formed insurance fraud. Well, most property policies, it's arson is excluded or harming the property in order to profit or harming the property intentionally is strictly excluded under property policies. You can't do intentional damage to the property at all. So an arson would be intentional damage. Therefore, it's excluded. However, as long as the lender, whether that be you personally, your self-directed IRA, your LLC, entity, trust, whatever, as long as is listed as the mortgagee, and the loss payee, the lender can be made whole. The policy will pay the lender because the lender is a loss payee. They have an economic interest in the policy and they've suffered damage. They've suffered harm. And the policy is there to make sure that the lender is made whole. So that's really kind of my two favorite things about property insurance. And I don't know of another investment where you get you know insurance policies for it. So like I said earlier, I always demand, you know, property insurance, whether that's a landlord policy, dwelling policy, uh, flood and windstorm for the, the Texas Gulf Coast where I live. And, you know, if you're out in California, you might want to add seismic or earthquake. It's a consideration. I don't know. I don't live out there, but it's just something that you may want to look at. And I, my uh, personal belief is that all occupants in a property, if they don't own it, need renter's insurance just in case something bad happens. When I was in uh, college, my friend's apartment, the water pipe broke above his living room while he was on Christmas vacation and he had hundreds of classic vinyl albums where the a lot of them were ruined from the water it was a very sad day so that's my personal bit but yeah do not make a loan without it and just one way that insurance tools like insurance help keep your private money safe your loans safe and it's a great tool it's, it's something that um, isn't really talked about very often and it's just one of those things that uh, I like about private lending so in recap Make sure you don't lend on the property unless you have property insurance. Verify that your name, the lender, is the mortgagee and loss payee on the policy. It's a condition for closing. Demand that your borrower keeps you updated and make sure, that, hey, look, I got a new policy for the new year, so on and so forth. Review the scope of work or the insurance claim forms. That way, you as a lender from away can look at a desktop version of the claim or what the damage is. And they usually have some photos and whatnot in there. So you get an idea, the level of damage and what it's going to take to repair it back to where it was. Like I said, put you back in that position where you were right before the storm, the fire, whatever happened. Send your inspectors out. 
to make sure that the work is done properly and up to local code before you release any funds to the borrower. That's just a good way to protect yourself. They spend the money. You indemnify them once it's up satisfactorily. The work is satisfactorily completed. And you, you as a lender need to act quickly once a claim has occurred and you're receiving money because you don't want to slow down the borrower at all. And I can't tell you how frustrating it is to wait for a bank to send an inspector out, especially after a big natural disaster like a hurricane or a large flood where there are, you know, thousands of people are affected. And it really stresses the personnel resources of the insurance company to get enough adjusters out there and to get the claims process going. And remember, even if the insurer does something to the property, I mean, check with your agent, your local, your local state laws, but you as a lender are still protected. Even though your borrower is not, the insured is not, you as a lender mortgagee can still be made whole, even if the borrower caused the damage. And wow, this is it. I've been running for 17, almost 18 minutes. Got a couple of people that have joined on and uh, a couple of thumbs up. Thank you, guys. And please connect. uh, You're connecting with me on Facebook right now. You can also go to the Private Lender Podcast page. I'm also on Bigger Pockets, Instagram, and of course, privatelenderpodcast.com for everything else. And also, privatelenderpodcast.com slash expo for your link to the expo, for tickets to the expo and 25% off your ticket price, then I understand the VIP tickets are going fast. It's a pretty good value for what you, uh, for what you get. So, all right, that's going to do it. I wish everybody out there in internet land happy and safe, prosperous, and fun private lending. We'll see you guys later. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.